I am really uh, excited about the Word this morning and uh, just excited to share it with you. We are in week number two of our series called Fulfilled. And uh, last week we kicked it off by talking about give and take. How about, about living a life that is fulfilling is all about give and take. And so uh, that's what we started the series off with. And the, the, the main verse throughout this entire series is found in John 10.10. 10. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can look on the screen as the Scripture will be on the screen. It says this, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Somebody say full. And last week we kind of broke this verse down a little bit and we talked about how how, you know, in, in, in my time as being a believer and being around uh, 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 church and hearing m- countless messages preached, uh, this is one verse that I feel like has, uh, I've heard a lot, okay? And uh, about 99.9% of the time, or let me just back that up, probably 100% of the time as I've heard this verse, everybody equates thief to the devil, right? Or to the enemy or to Satan. And, and, and so like that's how I've heard this verse. But if you go back up into John chapter 10 verse 1 and read that during your own time, you'll realize that when Jesus is talking about this particular, when he says this particular verse, he's talking about how he is the good shepherd. And he's talking about the sheep pen. And in verse 1 he says, anyone who comes in another way outside of the gate is a thief or a robber. So that allows me to know that there's more than one thing that can be considered a thief. So you can have a relationship that is robbing from you right now. You can be in a particular situation or circumstance that is robbing you right now. It could be a thief in your life. There could be something that you've turned to that you have are trying to find an answer for something. And so you turn to a certain thing and that certain thing will begin to rob you. It will begin to steal from you. It will begin to kill you and ultimately destroy you if you don't deal with it and invite the good shepherd into your life. And so that's kind of where we were talking about uh, 1010 last week. And I asked this question last week, but I'll ask it again. And that is the question, are you fulfilled? Like as you sit here this morning, can you honestly say yes to that question? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, that yes, there are some people in this room that can answer that question genuinely with a yes. But I would beg you to think that there's probably more than you would assume in this room that can answer that question only by saying the word no. That their life isn't fulfilling right now. For one reason or another, they cannot answer yes to this question. Because you see, we have a lot of people today who have very full lives. Now notice I didn't say fulfilling lives, I said full lives. Life is so busy today. I mean, it's like, man, we wake up and we've got something right as we wake up until we lay our head on the pillow. There's no time to take a break. There's no time to rest. It's just our life is full. I mean, just let me tell you yesterday, okay, my precious wife was working out of town. And so it just so happens to be the weekend that Amelia has soccer pictures. Not at a decent hour in the morning, but at 8.15 in the morning. 
So I've got to get an 11-year-old. I was going to say something about her, but I don't want to embarrass her. But 11 years old, just, just think about it, 11 years old. We're almost to that age, parents, and you know what I'm talking about. So just like, it's just, she can cry one minute and be happy the next, and then it's just, it's an, an array of emotions going on right now. And so you've got that to deal with, plus it's picture day for her, and you've got this guy who knows nothing about girls' hair and how to fix it and how to make it look cute for a soccer picture. You know, for me, when I'm thinking soccer or sports pictures, it's just like, roll out of bed, let's go. This is how you look on the field anyway. Let's just be honest with our picture, right? But no, it's like we got to have pigtails. we got to have this, te- this hair going this way and that way. And so bless her heart, she, she knew that, like, dad's not going to do the, do the job, so she's doing it herself, which is great. I appreciate that. Then I got an 8-year-old who's lazy in bed, doesn't want to wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning, and can I blame him? I want to be in bed with him. You know, I don't want to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning to take my 11-year-old to get soccer pictures. And then, oh, by the way, I have a 3-year-old, okay? And so she's the life of the party. She's everywhere. you got to keep up with her. And it's like, okay, so i got to get them all up. And look, I'm not looking for a pity party, okay? Because I'm sure all you moms out there are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I deal with this all the time. You know, so just before, you know, back that up just a little bit, okay? I'm not looking for any sympathy here, okay? I, I have acknowledged my role that there are some days where I'm just uh, daddy daycare. I drive a minivan. I embrace this life. It is what it is, okay? So anyways, so, uh, so we get all, you know, I was doing, you know, doing good. Good morning. Got them all out of the door. Fed them cinnamon rolls, by the way. And uh, had them all out of the door. And not like Little Debbie cinnamon rolls either. Like we baked them in the oven. I iced them myself, okay? There we go. You can see I need a little bit of validation this morning. So, so anyways, we're going there. We got that all going. So we get out the door. We're at picture time. Well, then we enter into a gymnasium that's got 100 people in it. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Because I, I got to fill out the form for the pictures, right? So Caroline's climbing up bleachers. I'm thinking she's going to topple over. I mean, she's just a monkey. I mean, she just is climbing over everything. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. Then I got Gavin going off the top rope, off of the uh, bleachers, acting like he's in the WWE. And then I'm thinking, okay, Caroline's going to see that, and she's going to want to do that. But I'm trying to fill out my picture form here so I can get some pictures. And so all that's going on. Then she's got a soccer game at 9 o'clock. Gavin's got baseball scrimmage at 930 and then, you know, I got to go out of town for something. And so I, you know, had to get all the kids situated. Then Gavin had a birthday party to go to. So I had to like, you know, ship him off with Mimi and get him to go to the birthday party. And so it was just, you know, just a busy day. It was a full day, right? And so like that is just a picture of not only my life, but your life as well. Because you're all sitting there saying, Man, I've had a very similar day. In fact, I had that day yesterday. Okay, so we live very full lives. And yet, our spirits are empty. You see, you can live a full life and not be fulfilled. And so the question that this series poses to us is, are you fulfilled? Today, the title of my message is Fix the Flow. Fix the Flow. And that's what I want to talk about. Not the progressive spokeswoman, but the word flow. F-L-O-W. Okay? Flow. And so the, the scripture for today is found in Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. And it starts by this, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, I could just stop there and preach a message today. I, the Lord, do not change. 
Somebody needs to be encouraged today that the Lord does not change. Are you thankful for that? No matter what decisions you've made in life, no matter what mistakes you've made, He does not change. Which means that, guess what? His love is still the same for you. So, so it's not a matter of works this morning. It's not a matter of like, man, have I done this or I've done that? Because guess what? God does not change. We're the ones that change. But He does not change. So he goes on. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees, and I have not kept them, and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. Yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. There's two words that I think about when I read or hear this passage, and that are the words shortage and supply. Shortage and supply. You see, this passage of Scripture, you know, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard this Scripture before. It talks about tithes and offerings. But can I tell you this morning, I don't want you to get hung up on tithes and offerings today. Like, some of you might be sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, here comes the money message. Listen to me. Today has, n- ha- has nothing to do with money and everything to do with principle. Okay? And so you need to hear that this morning. So when we look at this passage of Scripture, what we are seeing is, is God is confronting His people because He says they're robbing Him. And they act surprised when this question is posed to them because they say, you know, well, how are we robbing you? They, they, don't, they don't even know why. You know, sometimes I feel like this is where we are in life. Because we feel like we're doing things a certain way, that we're doing things the right way, and yet we're still not seeing any results. Have you ever been there before? Look, I know there's some people that start this diet or that diet or do this workout plan or that workout plan or you know they 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 try to attain a certain result and they think they're doing everything the right way and yet they're not seeing any results how do i know this because i i I did this for a lot of years in my life and never saw any results i'd go to the gym every single day i'd be lifting weights i'd be doing all this i might see just a, a a uh, uh, a slight vein pop out of my arm every now and then and my bicep would always stay flat I would never get the nice little mountain going you know what I'm saying like there was no toning no nothing and yet I feel like man I am busting my rear end in here but yet I'm not seeing any results and then I'm, I'm asking myself well how can this be how can this be you see 
That's where I feel like a lot of us are in our spirit, in our spiritual walks, is that we're just busy doing stuff and not seeing any results because we're doing what we think we should be doing instead of what God thinks we should be doing. You see, I'm not a fitness expert. I'm not a, I'm not a nutrition expert. I don't know anything about that, right? And so I just think if I just show up to the gym that it's just going to happen. Right? How many of you have ever been there before? As long as I pay the membership fee and step through the threshold one time, man, I'm going to have a six-pack, biceps, and it's going to be great. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. In fact, my problem was, was my diet. You see, because I was working out to eat. You see what I'm saying? Like, I was working out just not to put on any pounds. Like, so I would work out so I could go eat the pizza. The hamburgers, the chips, the salsa, the burritos. You see what I'm saying? Like, but you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, it's like that old saying that says abs are made in the kitchen. Well, I'm still waiting on that one to happen because I'm, I, I'm doing good in the kitchen and I struggle with the ab department because the core is probably the weakest thing in my body right now. But listen, I'll get there. I'll get there. I am seeing a little shape in this area. Okay, so this is good. This is good. All right. I'm seeing parts uh, that I haven't seen in years. I'm just saying, it's awesome. But my point to you is this, is that, th- that, that, that the problem is, is, is that we're doing what we think we should be doing instead of what God thinks we should be doing. And so these people, when God confronts them about robbing them, they're thinking, well, how are we robbing you? Because we do this, we do that. We, we, we do one, two, and three, and yet nothing is... What, what, what could possibly be the problem? And then he... He, he just nails them on the issue of tithes and offerings. You know what's interesting to me is verse 9 when he says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Because the nation of Israel is getting robbed themselves by robbing God. Does that make sense? Because he says you're under a curse. The curse is robbing the nation of Israel, and it's linked to them robbing God. You know, when we don't follow what God has put in front of us, we bring things on ourselves, and then we want to blame Him. We have a shortage in our life, and it makes us frustrated at times. It aggravates us. It causes us to ask ourselves, what is it that we're not doing right? But you notice in verse 6, he says, I do not change. Which tells me that there is an abundance of supply. An abundance of supply. And it will never change. There will always be enough in his economy for you. And yet we still experience shortages. Because we have a problem with the flow. There's a problem with the hookup. Now, I got a picture for you. Show that first picture. Like, does anybody know what I'm talking about right there? Anybody want to take a guess? See, I know what y'all dream about. Look at that. See, can I just tell you, I did not even get into the line for one of these things. As many times as people were like, man, this is, like, like, like people were blaspheming and saying that this was better than Chick-fil-A. Okay, I'm just saying. It's like, that's not right, okay? 
But can I tell you this, that, that Popeye's introduces the chicken sandwich, and then just in about two weeks, they announce a shortage. In fact, they announced the shortage on Twitter on August 27th because there was a, uh, uh, eight days after a tweet from rival Chick-fil-A, don't you love this, where they said, y'all good, question mark? Because you see, Popeye's was running out of chicken sandwiches, and Chick-fil-A was like, we never run out of chicken sandwiches. But you see, for Popeye's, the sandwich is a new menu item. Cry me a river. All right, released only two weeks before the supply ran dry. It was in development for two years. I want you to listen to this. This chicken sandwich was in development for two years. As the company chefs tested various uh, 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 mixtures of buttermilk batter and boneless chicken breast fillets and sour pickles and buttered brush buns. Brioche. Sorry, I didn't see the eye there. Come on, cut me some slack. In planning for its launch, Popeyes, this is what they said, aggressively forecasted demand through the end of September. We're not even through the end of September, and they've been out of chicken sandwiches for weeks. All right? Now, uh, the company said in a statement, but ultimately it blew through the inventory of chicken fillets a month ahead of schedule. The shortage caused chaos for some employees, many of whom have reported being pushed to the brink of exhaustion by the frenzy. In Houston, a group of customers pulled a gun on a Popeye's manager after being informed that the sandwich was sold out. And in Tennessee, a man is suing the company for false advertising and deceptive business practices. All right? Now, as Bloomberg noted, the shortage is particularly noteworthy. Now, this is where I need you to connect the dots here. The shortage is particularly noteworthy given the glut of supply in the U.S. market, with poultry companies expected to process a record 43.3 billion pounds of chicken this year per government data. One would think that Popeye's should be able to procure enough fillets to feed the entire Internet. So there's not a supply problem, and yet there's a shortage. Popeye's has a shortage. In fact, this guy, what's his name? Aaron Allen, the CEO of a restaurant consultancy business, uh, he says this, it's surprising that they're having this much difficulty pulling it off, actually, because it's less about availability. It's not like they're manufacturing moon rock. So a restaurant consultant says this is not acceptable because there is so much supply that they should not have a shortage. Guys, this is a picture of what our spiritual lives are like. There's not a problem with the supply because God does not change. It's the problem with us in the shortage because there is a flow problem. We have to fix the flow. Now, I hope that KFC has learned their lesson in all of this because they're about to roll this bad boy out. I don't know if you can see that, but that's the donut chicken sandwich. Like, are we trying to give people heart attacks before they get out of the drive-thru? I mean, this is just insane, right? So I don't know if they've got billions of pounds of chicken ready to go for this, but um, 
that, that's just on a whole nother level right there. But can we just bring this all back to God's chicken and let's like show the last slide? Because that right there will never run dry. Never runs dry. They will always have the chicken sandwich. And somebody said amen. amen. Now listen, if y'all give me that good of an amen for a chicken sandwich and not in just a minute, we got some issues. Here's another example. How many of you have ever uttered the phrase, man, I just don't have enough time? Come on, be honest with yourselves. I just don't have enough time. There's not enough hours in the day. Now, can I, can I share something with you? That every one of us in this room has the same amount of time. Nobody gets more time than the next person, right? We all get 24 hours in a day, right? I mean, think about that for a minute. Yet there's some people that are so productive in one 24-hour time period that for some of us, we will not be able to meet that production in a week. And yet we're the ones that say we do not have time. Let me say it this way, okay? Now, I need you to lean in on this one. I need you to hear me on this one. Your problem might not be a matter of provision, but one of priority. Am I? Like, okay, I'm just making sure that you're still alive this morning. Your problem might not be a matter of provision, but of priority. You, you see, a lot of times in our lives, we, we, we get into a frenzy because we, we, we're asking for provision. We need provision. We need more time. We need more of this. We need more of that. We need more, 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 more. And yet, we're blaming everything else except for this right here, except for ourselves, when it could just be a priority issue. You know, let's go back to the whole exercise thing. You might have used the I don't have time thing for exercise. Well, yeah, you're never going to have time for exercise unless you make it a priority. Right? It's amazing to me how you're in conversation with certain people and they talk about, you know, things that they do in their lives. And you're like, I don't understand how you have time for that. And then they complain about the things they don't have in life and then tell you they don't have time. You see what I'm saying? You see, we've, we've got to be a people that start having fixed priorities. Fixed priorities. Because that's how we're going to fix the flow, is when we have fixed priorities. If you want to exercise, schedule the time. Make it a priority. If you say, if you say man, I just don't have time for God. I don't have time for devotion. I, it's, it's not a matter of time. The supply is there. It's just maybe your priority isn't. So if you want to spend time with God, you've got to make it a priority. You've got to say, guess what? I've got to wake up at this time. I've got to fit it in at this time. I've got to do it at this time. It becomes a fixed priority. But as long as you just keep it just a generic like, oh, I've got to do this, it's never going to get done. It's got to become a priority. It's not a matter of provision. It's a matter of priority. It, it's the same thing when it comes to finances. You know, we say we never have enough at the end of the month. Well, have you ever tried to budget? You see, when we have a, a, a money issue, we got to make priority and make sure that we know what we're bringing in and what we're giving out. And we got to make sure that we're not over committing ourselves. 
Can I just be honest with you? I mean, my wife and I, we went through this exercise probably, I don't know, a year and a half ago now, where like we knew there were certain things that were just not in order in our lives that, that, that we were always trying to figure out, man, why, why are we coming up short? This is not supposed to be, like it doesn't make sense why we're coming up short, and it's because we never budged it. Because we never, like in our minds, it was kind of one of those things where we didn't have to. Because it, like, like, we never got stressed out totally. But then there came a period where we were just like, this is crazy that this is happening. And so guess what? We started budgeting. And then we realized how much money was just being wasted away on just frivolous things. And now we're finding out, it's like, golly, I didn't even know we had this much money. Because of our budget. We made it a priority. It's a fixed priority. So now we budget everything. It's like when, when, when we were able to move into a new house, guess what? We didn't make that decision by saying, oh, the house is nice or this or that or it meets our needs. No, we went to a piece of paper that had a budget on it and we made sure that we could afford the house. It's because that has become a priority. You see, we have to take responsibility of our flow. So if there's a problem with your flow this morning, if there's a problem in your spiritual life where you feel like, man, I, I just don't feel it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not experiencing it. Well, guess what? There is a flow problem. It's not that God has changed because God does not change. It's not that God's left you. He's still right there. He does not move. He does not change. You're the one that moves away from Him. You're the one that changes. And so if there's a problem with the flow, you've got to figure out where have you broken your flow? What has happened in your life that has broken your faith and in turn broken your flow? Because God does not change, therefore His supply never changes, which means our problem will never be a supply problem. I feel like I'm not connecting this morning. Can I just say that? Like, I, I'm, I, I, I don't know what the deal is, but I hope I'm communicating. Because what I'm telling you is, is that God's supply never changes. We have to get to a place where we take a self-inventory of what's going on inside of us and around us. And we've got to determine that it's not a supply problem. Just because you've got a shortage doesn't mean that the supply isn't there. The supply is there. It's the flow that is broken. Now, in this passage of Scripture, he's talking about, well, how did we rob you? He said, in the tithes and offerings. You know, some, some of us, we, we, you know, we have testimony after testimony in this room of people that do put the tithe first. And when they do, God has never abandoned them. God has never left them. God has always provided. It doesn't mean that they just are in an endless flow. And that there's never a time where it gets like, oh my goodness, like if you don't move, God, we got issues. But guess what? It doesn't change the fact that they keep giving. And guess what? God always comes through. This is a principle that I've had my entire Christian walk. And, and, and I'm not saying this to say that I'm better or, or not better or whatever. But it's just something that clicked in my mind. I know this isn't everybody, but it just clicked in my mind. It made sense to me when I came to know who Christ was. And so I've done it my entire life. And I can tell you miracle after miracle after miracle in my life of how God has come through. But listen to me. I'm not talking about money today. 
Because see, when we hear the word tithe in church, we equate that with money. In today's world, in today's society, in today's culture, we associate tithe with money. But can I tell you that tithe does not equal money. Tithe equals trust. Because God does not need your money, but He needs your trust. And so when, he, when God is talking to the people of Israel, He's telling them, you're robbing me of the tithes and offerings. And because you're robbing me, you yourself are being robbed. Because you're underneath a curse. And He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. He doesn't say just bring part of it, bring some of it, bring almost all of it. No, he says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Tithe equals tenth. Tenth being the first ten percent. But remember, tithe does not equal money. Tithe equals trust. You see, it doesn't take faith to give to God out of your leftover. There's no trust that's involved with that. And can I tell you that if that's the way that you approach it, probably 10 out of 10 times you get to the end of it and say there's not enough for it. But for those that say, you know what, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to trust God in the tithe and you give the tithe, guess what? 10 out of 10 times when you get to the end, you'll have just enough. You might not have overflow, but you'll have just enough. Now, remember how in the beginning of this message I said that this was not about money, it's about principle. I believe that what this passage of Scripture is communicating is not only just for tithes and offerings, but I believe it's for every area of our life. It's about your time. Are you giving Him your time first? Or do you just give Him the leftover? What God has gifted you with and what your talent is, do you just give Him the leftover after you've given your talent to your job and to everything else and, and, and then just give Him what's left over? Because I'm going to tell you, 10 out of 10 times you're not going to give anything because you won't have anything at the end. But if you start giving Him your time and spending it with Him first, guess what? You'll feel like you get 20 five hours in the day instead of 24. It's just amazing how it works that way. And when you begin to give your talent first instead of the leftover, you'll be amazed at how God grows you in that talent and actually opens up doors of opportunity for you in that talent that you could have never imagined. And it's amazing that when you start giving to God and you trust Him with the first fruit, how much He comes through. I mean, think about it. When He says this, He says, hey, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He even goes as far as saying, test me in this. Like, hey, you know what that's saying? It's saying, hey, look, this is God. I'm going to make you a little deal here. I'm not going to ask you for an eternal commitment up front. I'm just going to tell you, hey, test me in it. Try me. Try me out. Have you ever been to a website that says 14-day free trial? Don't get suckered into those things. You'll forget the 14-day free trial, and then before you know it, you got charges coming out every month on your credit card bill. And you're like, my God, what is this for? You'll be amazed if you take an inventory of how many subscriptions you're subscribed to right now, all because you started out with a 14-day free trial. But what I'm telling you is, is that, listen to me, God is giving you 
a free trial. He's saying, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm all for having the floodgates open up over my life. And I'm not talking about me so I can bathe in dollar bills. I'm talking about so that I can live a life to the full like he tells me he is here to give to me. He says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. You see, I am not expecting more to hoard more. I'm expecting more to give more. A lot of times what we do is that we treat the symptoms instead of going to the source. And this whole fixing the flow, we want to treat the symptoms instead of going to the source. You know, think about it. When you're sick, you might have an array of symptoms, right? You could have a headache, you have fever, a sore throat. You could be coughing, you could be throwing up. Those are all symptoms, right? But what if you just treated just one symptom? So if you've got a headache, you take ibuprofen. Well, guess what? Ibuprofen is not going to touch the cough. Ibuprofen is not going to touch the throw up. Ibuprofen is just going to touch the fever and the headache, right? That's treating a symptom. It's not going to the source, right? And that's what we do in our spiritual lives is that we want to just treat the symptom. We just want to treat the system, the, the symptom. Man, I'm not feeling God, so I'm going to go to church this Sunday. And I'm going to see if I feel him on Sunday. And then if that happens, then maybe we'll, we'll go a little step further and maybe even open my Bible up on Monday morning. We just want to treat a symptom instead of going to the source. It's kind of like this. Can, 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 I, can you hand me that water bottle? No, not that water bottle. The other water bottle. That water bottle. Yeah, that water bottle. That one. The Kentwood water bottle. Now look, would you all agree that this is full water, right? It's full of water, right? So there's supply in here. But see, when we only treat the symptom, we don't fix the source, and it's still capped. When we don't fix the flow, when we don't go to the source and fix the issue, it's like this. And there's something wrong with the water bottle. It looks ridiculous, doesn't it? But that's where a lot of us are today. He's the living water. And He desires to be poured out for you. But we've got a source We've got to go to the source of the problem and fix the flow. What is it in our life that we've capped the flow off on? You see, today, if we fix the source, guess what? This is what God's going to do. He's going to open it up. Now, the great thing about God is, is that the water never stops, right? We have to fix the flow. We have to fix the flow because Jesus came to give you and I life and life to the full, a full-filled, 
life. As Christina comes back up, I want to close with this story in John chapter 2. Okay. There's a story in John chapter 2 that I want to close with today, and I think it could give us some encouragement on how to fix the flow. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 2. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited, say invited, to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told them they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Somebody say, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with the water. Say, fill the jars. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Say, the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and he sa- said this, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. Say the best. There's three things that I want to give you real quick on how to fix the flow. Number one, we got to do what they did in the very beginning, and that's we got to invite Jesus to come. Now, I don't know if they had any kind of prior uh, encounters with Jesus or not, but Jesus made the invitation list. I'm telling you today, Jesus needs to make your invitation list into your life, and you need to invite him to come. And I'm not just talking about salvation, although that is part of it. I'm talking, there's some of you in this room that, man, Jesus hasn't been on the invite list in quite some time, and that needs to change this morning. He needs to be put on the invite list because you've got to to fix the flow in your life because you've got a full life, but it's not fulfilled. And I'm here to tell you that today, in order to live a fulfilled life, you're going to have to invite Jesus to come. But it doesn't stop there. Don't stop there. You don't want to clap quite yet. It doesn't stop there. Here's what happens. Number two is this, is you've got to ask Jesus to help. Think about this for a minute. It wasn't enough just to invite him to the party. When the problem arose, they had to ask him for help. Mary comes over to him and is like, Jesus, hey, 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 son, we got an issue here. I'm really good friends with this couple who's having their daughter getting married off. And if we run out of wine at this point in the game, this is going to be just a total mess for this family. Because in that culture and in that day and time, if this were to happen, it was just, you might as well just have ostracized yourself because you weren't going to have any friends after that. So she comes to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, we got a problem. Wine's running out. And he says, well, that's not my problem. And she goes, oh, no, it is. Do whatever he tells you to do. So we have to invite Jesus to come, and we got to ask him for help. You know what Mary did? 
What Mary did is she, he, she kept on asking, kept on seeking, kept on knocking. You see, she could have very well said, okay, Jesus, it's not your time. No, no, no. She kept knocking. She kept seeking. She kept asking. And she said, do whatever he tells you to do. So there might be some in here and you say, well, I've asked Jesus already. And I still feel the same. Keep asking. I've sought the Lord in the past, but nothing changed. Keep on seeking. I've knocked on this door so many times, but it's not open and knock one more time. You got to ask Jesus to help. And here's the third thing. You got to be ready to do your part. You got to be ready to do your part. You see, Jesus is not just here to be the slot machine of our life. Where we just pull a lever and hope that something happens. No, he's looking to partner with you and I. He wants to be in relationship with you and I. He wants to walk with you and I. And see, here's the thing that I think is crazy about this story is, is that he says, I want you to take the pots that were used for ceremonial cleaning. Do you realize what that is? That's when you got to the house, that was the foot washing water. But I'm pretty sure they don't use foot water as the base. Right? But not only that, he said, he said, empty, you know, basically get, get, you know, empty the pots and then go fill them with fresh water. But still, those pots got nasty stuff in them. He says, fill them up, fill them up. Now, these jars held 30 to 40 gallons apiece. I don't know the last time you lugged around 30 to 40 gallons, but that's pretty heavy. I mean, when I go to Walmart and I get the gallon milk jugs, I'm doing curls, you know what I'm saying? But 30 to 40 gallons, do you, do you realize that he didn't say fill to the brim? He didn't say fill to the top. He said just fill them up with water. They could have gotten three quarters of the way to the top, halfway to the top. Said, oh, this is good enough. I mean, man, 20 gallons of wine, that's going to be enough, right? But no, they filled them to the brim. They filled them to the brim. And then here's one more thing that he said. He said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. Now, can you imagine what that must have been like for them? Okay, I was okay with you telling me to fill the water jars because then I'm out of it at that point and then it's all on you. You see what I'm saying? Like, for a lot of us, we hear 30, 40 gallon water jars. No big deal. We'll get that. We'll do that, right? Because then we just get to step out of the picture and let God do what he's got to do. But no, he said, you need to dip some out in the cup and you need to take it to the problem. You need to take it to the situation. You need to take it to where the flow was broken. You need to take it to the source. And so he took the, he takes the cup to the master of ceremonies, which guess what? If he's going to drink foot water, he better have some wine coming out of that cup because if he doesn't, that servant is going to be fired put to death, something, it ain't going to be good for him. But in faith, in trust, remember, how are we robbing God? Because we're not bringing the first to him. The guy scoops the first cup of water, marching it to the master of ceremonies. And he puts it there. God takes a sip of it. Now, can you imagine if you're the servant seeing the reaction on the guy's face because he's got to be shocked, right? He was shocked. 
Now, it's either shocked because I just drank foot water or it's shocked because I had a glass of wine. And so, like, he's drinking, and he goes, huh? I'm sure the guy, the servant, was, right? And then he goes, where did you get this? Oh, my goodness. Because it's the best I've ever see we got to invite Jesus to come we got to ask him for help and then we got to do our part we got to be ready to do our part we got to fix the flow that's the first part of doing our part we got to fix the flow we got to stop robbing God and in turn robbing ourselves because we're not doing it God's way we keep doing it our way we're the ones that change he never changes Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy but I have come to give life and life to the full can you stand with me all over this place today